ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com as I record this episode. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just want to let you know that there is a new book coming out that you need to be aware of. It's called The Experience of Leadership, Proven Examples from Successful Leaders. It's an amazing book written by my friend Fred Stubick Jr., and you may know him. He's been on this podcast. This book contains 15 stories from successful leaders, and I wrote one of the chapters. So go to Amazon and search for The Experience of Leadership and pick it up today. It's just coming out now this week, so you want to get that book and read it. Again, if you want to be a great leader, you got to learn from people who have done it before, and I'm excited about this book, and I'm excited about, um, I, even even, I haven't read some of these chapters. I've only read the chapter I wrote, so I'm excited about it. So pick it up, go to Amazon, and search The Experience of Leadership. Now, if you're looking to support what I do on the show, please purchase one of my books at johnsrenny.com or visit one of my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and ihavethewatch.com. Both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Dr. Jacob Kashiwagi. Jacob is the Managing Director of Kashiwagi Solutions Models, Inc., and he developed a new leadership technique called the No Influence Leadership Theory. Now, this is an incredible concept, and you really need to hear this episode and understand it. So it's a different way to think about leadership, and Jacob has helped companies all over the world implement this theory, and it's yielded incredible results. And really, you got to listen to it because it's going to blow your mind, because it did when I first heard it, too. So, uh, And kind of a neat thing, Jacob also wrote one of the chapters in the new book, The Experience of Leadership. So we talk about that book as well on this episode. So you are going to love this episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jacob Kashiwagi. Jacob is the Managing Director of Kashiwagi Solution Model, Inc., and the Chairman of the Board at Leadership Society of Arizona. He is also the author of the No Influence Leadership Theory. Now, this is a groundbreaking approach to lead and mentor others, which reduces stress and increases both the happiness and success of those being led. I am excited to have him on the show to talk about this theory and how he's used it over the years. So, Jacob, welcome to the show. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, John. It's great to be here. Man, it's it's so good to have you here. You know, you and I had a conversation several weeks ago. Uh, we talked about the no influence leadership theory, and you blew my mind. We we I, the stuff you talked about was just things I had never really considered in leadership. You know, I'm a practitioner, 30 years, and uh, and so I've you know I thought I had been exposed to everything in leadership, and so you came with something completely new and different. So, tell us about what this is and how did it get started. You know, I I wish I could take credit for this. Um, but in reality, this started um, it really from my childhood. I grew up in, in a family of eight children, and it's a traditional Japanese home. And the basic premise of a Japanese home is the father is a leader. Everybody has to respect him, and he basically tells everybody what to do, and everyone has to do it. And my father, after having four or five of the children, start to realize that nobody was listening to him anymore. The, the children start to outnumber him. And then he found out um, when my oldest brother turned uh, 19 years old, that he looked in his eyes. And after 19 years of telling him what to do and trying to influence him and control him, he realized my brother didn't know what to do with his life, didn't know how to make his own decisions. Mm. And at that time, he totally switched his model. And where we had rules to wake up, when we could eat, what we had to do during the summer, um, my mom created this huge summer routine for all of us kids. All of a sudden, there's no rules. Oh. And instead of trying to tell us what to do, influence our every move, he instead started to let us do whatever we wanted. There's no punishment. There is no trying to tell us or to move us in a certain way. Instead, he focused all of his energy on supporting what we wanted to do and helping us figure out who we were. And it had a lasting effect on me. So as I started to get into, um, you know, management leadership and studying this in my college career, I started to realize that this idea of no influence, and instead of trying to tell people what to do, trying to, to change them in a way, um, I found out a lot of people throughout all the history of time, in fact, the most successful and well-known people, actually believed the exact opposite. Mm. And so I did my master's thesis on this idea of no influence and how it actually was a more accurate leadership model or in other words, one that was more productive and successful in life. So I researched Socrates and Plato. I researched people like Nikolai Machiavelli, who has one of the oldest leadership books. And it surprised me what I found out. That these people said, hey, if you go take over a neighboring village, there is no influencing these people. So if you want to remain control of that village or maintain control of that village, you either, one, have to let the people do what they want to do, or two, you have to kill everybody. Mm. And I'm reading this, I'm, I'm, you know, 20 years old, and I'm like, wow, what in the world is going on here? And I start getting into manufacturing. I was an industrial engineering um, major in college. And so I start finding out people like Edward Deming. Mm. And Edward Deming's whole thing was, 
you can't influence or change people. Slogans, mottos, trying to do these things that motivate people. He found out through actual, you know, empirical evidence, they don't work. Mm. And so he told people, look, it's not about influence. It's about alignment. Mm. You have to figure out who people are and put them in the right spot. You can't change them. And so the whole premise on this no influence leadership idea is this does nothing. Yeah. In fact, the more you do this, the worse it gets. And the more you find out who people are and put them in the right spot and let them go, the better it goes. So you, this makes, this makes sense to me now. I, I, maybe because I've had a few weeks to, <laughs> to dwell on it. <laughs> because I think when you first said that no rules and that's the best way to lead people, I, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What, is, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk, right? But I think what you just said at the end is really, really important. And one of the things I've learned through 30 years is if I can find out what the hopes, dreams, ambitions are of my people, the people that work for me, and I can put them in a role in my company that lets them be their absolute best and do the things that they want to do in their careers and in their lives and what, what excites them, then I find that there's alignment in an organization and we get things done we get more things done because everybody's more aligned to not only the company mission, but their own personal mission. So I, I wouldn't say that I would say it's no, it's not no rules, but it's just something I've noticed that, 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 that the, yeah. the organizations where I'm able to align personal goals and the business goals with each individual employee, I have much more success with. So is it, is it, is that similar to what we're talking about here is just trying to find that is exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. In, in fact, when I was in high school, I had an opportunity to do a research project with a ASU professor. He okay. actually was my dad's director at the School of Construction. His name was William Badger. And for this research project, I read a book called Break All the Rules. I love that book. It's by Marcus Buckingham. He was, uh, I believe he was um, one of the heads of the Gallup poll. Yes. And they surveyed like 80,000 managers of the most successful companies. And they found out that these managers, they do not try to change the weaknesses of people and, and try to, to get, get the weaknesses out of these people. They find out who these people are, what they're good at. They put them in a good position and let them go. So this is where I learned that from that book years ago. And it said that people, he, they said that people over 30 don't change that much. And we should spend less time trying to change people over 30 and more time trying to put them in the right roles. Is that, is that, is that what, where you're coming from on that? That's, I remember reading that and I've always yes. stuck with me. And I've always, I think I changed my leadership approach like the day after I read that, because I realized that for years prior to reading that book, I was the guy trying to change people or to <laughs> mold people into certain certain roles that you know that I needed them to be in, right? Not necessarily what they wanted to be in, and um, yeah. and I noticed that 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 book stood true in my you know my observation that people didn't change much you know uh, <laughs> over time. So that's really interesting. And if people don't change much over time, your ability to influence people yeah. must be very minimal. Actually, it's zero when you look at the research and the data behind it. Wow. 
that's really that's really powerful. You know, it's funny because in my new book, I tell the story of a of a sailor that worked for me that was a problem. He was always getting into trouble, and I, I had to try to fix him, if you will. And what I found was I couldn't fix him. He what what I found is, is as he more that he was bored when his mind wasn't busy, he would get into trouble. So the way I solved the problem was I never let him get bored. I, I put he was extremely he was an extremely good technician and he was one of my best reactor operators. And so I put him in charge of uh, the toughest maintenance assignments and then training all yes. the reactor operators. And he found his passion in that. He loved it. And I found out he wasn't getting in trouble anymore. So I did I almost did an end around on him. I didn't come directly with discipline and all these sort of things. I just found out that, oh, when he's bored, he gets in trouble. So Find a way that you know that I, I, I ignite his passions and don't let him get bored. And and he turned out to be one of my best sailors after I did that. Wow! So, so it sounds like I was applying some of these principles, even though I didn't know what they were. You know, anyone anyone who is a successful leader, who has experience, who understands what's going on, they will all come to this idea. So this no influence leadership idea, it's not necessarily a new idea. It might be one that people haven't heard or that people haven't been able to understand kind of the dynamics of what they're doing, but they, they know this is the way you do it um, if they've been successful at it. Um, I Very rarely have I found someone who has experience who's been successful not doing something somewhat of these principles and ideas. Wow. So now you've taken this and you have run projects all over the place for years since 2005. <laughs> yes. And you've, you've done it in different kinds of industries, different kinds of business, different kinds of um, people. What kind of results have you seen as you've deployed this theory? Um, how has it, how has it changed organizations? How, what were some of the surprises? What were some of the, the obvious wins? I mean, give us some stories maybe of, you know, because I think people need to understand this is not just an idea. You've been doing this since 2005 in in real yeah. life applications. So tell us how, how things have changed using this model. So there's a couple of things. Um, first, the overall metrics of this model. We have probably run over 1,500 projects using this type of model. It, it, from ministries in the Netherlands to um, to everywhere in the world. Uh, small municipalities in the U.S., uh, private organizations, large, very large private organizations with over 6,000 um, buildings even that they're managing. Uh, we've done any type of service from IT and, and cloud service to um, it could be janitorial services or food services, providing uh, food services to a large organization. It all works the same which is the less you say, the more you force people who are experts to tell you what they're going to do, the better it goes, which is basically the no influence model. You shut your mouth. You don't try to tell anybody anything or influence the project in any way as a project manager. You let people tell you what they're going to do and you let them do it. Um, This has been done 1500 times and over over $2.5 billion worth of services and work, 98% on time on budget. It's been audited four times 
one by a, a doctoral dissertation, um, another by the COE, the Corps of Engineers from the, from the Army, um, and one time by a uh, municipality or by the state of Hawaii, really, um, we were audited. They thought we were colluding. Um, we did work with the state of Hawaii, and they thought we were colluding to get the results and, and running our model with, with the government. And after looking at everything, they found out that we were saving them millions of dollars with their roofing, painting, and renovation projects. So the one thing that stands out, and again, I'm not a command and control kind of leader. I do want to try to get the best. I want the pe- my people to bring their best to work, right, and try to and try to ignite their passions and, and also help, you know, the company reach its goals. But you, when you say let experts do what they're good at and leave them alone, what I, I get a sense that there could be chaos when you do that. And then what is the role of the leader when, when everybody is allowed to do what they're best at? Like how, yes. do you, how do you accomplish the mission of the organization? Let me give you an example. We worked with United Airlines at one of their major facilities in California. In fact, we worked with them for a couple of years and then we stopped working with them. And the reason being is in those couple of years, we actually finished everything they had to do in the repairs and renovations of all their hangar base. And so they had no more work for us to do. Um, but basically, they usually would hire a general. That general contractor would coordinate with all the subcontractors on when they would come in to the hangar bay, the order in which they should do it. And we told them, you don't really need a general contractor when you use our system. If you have expert subcontractors, you just bring them in and let them go at it. They will coordinate themselves. They will figure it out themselves because they're experts at what they do. And they, they didn't hire a general. They took our advice. And everybody just coordinated with each other. We just found really good subcontractors. They came and did all the work and left. Didn't have to be managed. Didn't have to be led by anyone. Essentially, what the leader is doing is they find the people, they put them in the right place, have the right structure to protect the people, and they let them go. That's the role of the leader in an organization. In fact, if you're really being a good leader, nobody even knows you're there. Ah, Lao Tzu. So this is interesting. That's one of my favorite quotes uh, is Lao Tzu is that, you know, when a leader is truly, I can't remember exactly the quote, but, uh, you know, when a leader is truly achieved, that the, the people say that they did it themselves they don't even know who <laughs> it is and and yes. I've always said that that's the that's the ultimate leader is that people are motivated to do things on their own which which accomplishes the company's mission and then the, the leader isn't the center of attention the leader is people don't even remember who, why they're doing it or who the leader is right so so yes. that's that's what you just said you said that that's really the role of the leader is to get the right people um create the right structure in the organization for them but but let let experts do their job and kind of get out of the way and basically when you create the right structure it only lets the experts in so for example you have a bunch of leaders in a company and you have the followers the more leaders you have telling people what to do and influencing people do the followers have to be more skilled or less skilled at their jobs 
yeah, less skill because they're going to depend on the. Yeah. You got it. As yeah. soon as you take out all of these leaders or really managers, because that's what you're doing when you're trying to influence, right? In order to influence, you have to do this. And when you start doing this, that's what we call a manager. Right. You take them out. The only people now who can come into your organization are people who know how to do their job. Yeah. As soon as you stop trying to influence, you immediately attract experts to whatever you're doing. Interesting. So, you know, it's interesting because I've had like a lot of entrepreneurs on the show. We talk about like what it takes to grow a, a small business, right? And one of the biggest downfalls and one of the, one of the challenges is that the founder has a hard time letting go, right? So uh, <laughs> yes. they're good at they're good at a certain skill set and they they can't let go of that skill set. And so what ends up happening is the people underneath them never get exposed to doing making hard decisions and and doing the tough things because the founder or you know the the the, the co-founders are are doing the hard things and the other people aren't aren't growing, they're not developing and not getting an opportunity a, a swings at bat. They're not, we're not letting the experts do their job or we're holding them back by letting, like we, we, we have to control it because we started the company and we're, you know, we're the, we're the best to know it, but the companies that do let go and then bring in talented people and, and give up control and let them do what they're good at. Those are the ones that, that break away from that small business and become, they can scale and grow because they're not holding on to everything so tightly. You, you got it. And it, it's, it's kind of tough for someone who's really an expert at what they do, because to grow it, you have to find a lot of experts. Yeah. It's very hard to find experts today. You might find one out of a, uh, you know, one out of a thousand of a million, right? It's very hard to find people who are really, really good at what they do. Mm. So when you're a person who's really, really good at what you do, it is very hard to release control of that. Because the chances you find someone as good as you is, is very little. Yeah. So the, the issue that in, these experts have is they might not be an expert at leadership. Mm. They might not understand how to create the right structure to bring in different people that might not have all of their expertise, but might be good enough under a certain structure to do really well. And that's why entrepreneurs and people who who are more of a leadership people, they're worth bringing into companies because they can create the right structure that can allow that maybe they don't need like a top expert, but if they just find a medium expert with a certain structure, the structure will allow them to do what they can do and allow the company to grow and still succeed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. But yes, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Especially yeah. when you're used to doing everything. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Letting go and letting, letting, giving up control. And I had a guest on my, um, uh, a few weeks back that talked about uh, setting up a remote business. And he said, one of the things I had to do to let my team develop is I said, I, I had to leave for a week. I said, I'm leaving. You're in charge. You guys have to sort it out. And he said, the first time was scary, but he learned, he noticed that when he did that, People stepped up. People, people like immediately said, "Oh, I know what to do." I, 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 people went naturally to their roles, and then the company ran smooth while he was gone. Uh -huh. And then the next time he left, it was it was uh, it was even better, right? Because the people wow. 
people stepped up into different roles. And I think so that, you know, when I, hearing that story eliminates the scariness of uh, maybe those entrepreneurs who are listening in saying, oh, I can't let go control. But when you do, your your people tend to step up if you've got the right people in the right roles and they are experts and they can, you know, but yes. a lot of times we hold them back by by having to control things. And and uh, in, in actuality, we're not we're not letting our people shine. We're, we're holding them back from growing. So. Yes, it, that does happen quite a bit. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So, you know, you mentioned children, you know, know, the way your dad shifted and changed uh, the rules. It went from a highly command and control. This is every minute of the day is being managed, right? Every minute of your summer is being managed, right? <laughs> yes. To, to um, you know, no rules, right? And in fact, what it sounded like what they said, what your your parents did was they said, what what is what is the interests of our children, and how can we encourage those interests more, and and how do we let them grow and blossom? Is that is that kind of what 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 the no rules was like? Exactly. And it was, for me, it seemed like overnight. One night, you had to do everything. The next night, you don't have to do anything. My Mm. four-year-old brother was down the street, past dark, playing at a friend's house. Nobody knew who, where he was. And it was just fine. (laughs) Yeah. It it was amazing. Um, My younger brothers, if they ever wanted to skip school, my parents would call in for them. Interesting. Yeah. Right. They didn't have to do anything they didn't want to. The amazing part about it is even though my brothers didn't have to go to school, they ended up going to school almost all the time. Because they did it because they liked it and they wanted to versus being told to do it. Service projects. Usually kids are forced to go do service, whatnot. 
my brothers went there because they wanted to. Interesting. And it's because they found out with all this freedom, what was the best use of their time? And they, they learned themselves quickly at a young age. This is, this is powerful stuff, you know, cause I, <laughs> I mean, I know, I think, I mean, my boys are grown and, and we really did try to, um, yeah, I wouldn't say completely free range parenting, but I would say we definitely let them find their, their, what they wanted to do in their lives. And we encouraged them in that direction. If they wanted to play football, we would, you know, we, we would say, let's, let's do this. And we would help them and yeah. support them. If, but if they said, no, I'm done with that, we would, we would kind of more listen to them and find out where their dreams and passions were. And we try to encourage it. And I really do think that that's, that's really best with employees too. Right. I mean, yeah. if you can figure out what motivates your team, you know, each individual team member and trying to give them those kind of positions, I think it, it there's less stress in the organization, right? Because yeah. they're doing what they like to do. They're fulfilling an important role in the business and you're not constantly trying to, everything is sort of self-correcting, right? So you're not trying to control yes. everything and, and, and fit, you know, um, square pegs and round holes and, and, you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really wild, but uh, no influence, no rules. It's kind of hard concept to get your head around as far as in leadership. So it, it it throws parents for a loop when they start learning about this no influence leadership and and um and applying it with your children. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very it's a very tough thing. Yeah, it, it's very rewarding, especially for your children and students. But uh, as as a leader of the family or as a parent it is probably the toughest thing you'll ever have to do having no rules um, yeah. in your family. Wow. So let's, uh, let's just switch gears a little bit. So you, you're also the chairman of the board at uh, the Leadership Society of Arizona. Tell us a little bit about that and what you guys do there. It sounds really special that, from, what I, from what I understand. Yeah, so we started applying the no influence leadership model in, in business as a project delivery called best value, the best value approach. As we did this, we were at the university um, doing research work. We started teaching the ideas and concepts to students in high school in, in college, in the honors college. Hmm. Two of these students, they went through our PhD program, became um, my PhD students as well. They applied for grants to become a nonprofit organization because they felt if high school students learned these same ideas and principles, it would help them better in finding out what they should do in life and just getting through the academic system in general and life. So they, they won this competition. They created this nonprofit and I've been mentoring them for about seven, eight years now on this. And it's just exploded. The whole purpose of Leadership Society of Arizona is to help students and parents be able to develop, understand each other, gain leadership skills, and um, really be able to have less stress, more happiness in their life and um, be able to be more successful in their life as well. Mm. And so it, it focuses on high school students, but we also have parent training as well, not on how to parent, but on how to implement these leadership concepts and ideas in their families and with their children. So when you throw no, when you put out no rules, right, it, chaos happens and nobody really achieves. Is that what happens? Or, or what, <laughs> what happens? you do this for seven years. What, what are some of the results of people that have been in the program? I mean, 
Uh, have they, you know, are they achievers or, or are they slackers, right? With no rules, you could just do whatever you want, right? What we found out is most students who are attracted to, to this program, many of them come in and they have some type of stress um, causing them mental issues in terms of depression or, you know, or just being able to get through school and, and wanting to do their homework. Um, it can be very high achieving students. It can be very low achieving students or what people think, hey, this student's low achieving. But in reality, what we found out is if they stick with the program almost across the board, we find grades improve. We find these students tend to find something they're really interested and they excel in. These mm. students tend to become more social. These students tend to have better relationships with their family. These students tend to want to do more in, in life. And this is pretty much almost across the board to 80 to 90% of all students coming through our program. We see these type of changes with them. It, it could be from students who are taking a school program that we're, we're leading We've seen a quarterback in a high school, left home for four weeks, had troubles with his mother, wouldn't go home. Coming to two of our programs, we, the mother called the school and asked the school, what did you do to my child? Because he came home and he apologized to me and he told me he was going to try and be better. Wow. We don't even touch on a lot of, a lot of you know, things like uh, in college, alcoholism. People overcame being an alcoholic. We don't even touch on that. But just off of the simple ideas and concepts and letting these children and students figure out who they are and not be swayed by anything, they figure it out themselves. Overcoming playing video games all the time. If you, if you just let children be, yeah. you start to find out that they can do amazing things on their own. I've never seen a child when I ask them, okay, what do you want to do? I've never seen a child say, I want to do nothing my whole life. I just want to play video games my, my whole life. And, and that will be the best. No child has ever told me that. Yeah, yeah. But they're playing the video games. They're doing these things because they don't know who they are. They don't know what else to do. It's in, in too way, complicated for them. It's, in a, it's an escape from you know, the rule-based society they've been placed in that they can't quite figure out. Like, I'm being told yes. I have to do this, but I don't know that I want to do that. So I'll escape into video games or whatever to yeah. escape their reality, right? That they can't quite get grasp of, yeah. And it's so true. Right now, the academic system is so overbearing on these students. It basically tells them, if you can't sit still for a long time, if you can't concentrate, if you can't take notes, if you don't have a high IQ, if you don't understand how to pass these tests, and if you're not good at math, English, social studies, sciences, whatever it might be, and you don't have all of this, you're going to be a failure. Yeah. And so what does that do to a student that's not good at one or two of these things in failing a couple courses? Well, it, it totally messes their mind up. And they need to escape that reality. Yeah. And that's where the but addictions come from. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Go on. Go on. It's just one of these things that I, I keep thinking about this. This one, one thing that bothers me the most about, I did 22 years in corporate. <clears throat> and one thing that bothered me so much is that you have young people would, would study for years to become an engineer or a scientist or a 
uh, quality manager or, or um, a salesman or, and they would, they would be so excited to come to our company, right? They get hired at a big global company. They have a title, they have an office, they have, or, you know, a cubicle, if you will. And, and they've studied all this and they, they, they have a deep passion for this, the, the, the career they've chosen, right? And then we put them in a cubicle and we send them emails and we tell them what to do and we never give them any, we don't listen to them. We, 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 we check when they come in and out of the office and we, we put all these rules on them about what they can and can't do, what they should wear, what they shouldn't wear, who they can talk to, what programs they have to stay. <clears throat> and we kill those excited young people when they come in our company. They become like uh, after a while, they become zombies. They're just following rules. <laughs> yes. And then they go to their addictions and whatever, they, because they're trying to escape from their their life. We don't keep that energy alive with young people. And it always it always upset me because I could see people, young young employees change, you know, two years in our company and they're yes. just like, I'm just going to keep my head down, just gonna do my job and go home. And that's <laughs> yes. gone. And it's so sad to see that when we kill when we kill people's passion for their careers, and uh, that and that's terrible. So I think what you're saying is that don't do that. You know, don't do that. And find what their passion is and get them in roles where they can they can truly, you know, grow, blossom, but also contribute to the company, the the betterment of the yes. company. In fact, companies are finding out very quickly now with the millennials and the younger generations that um. If you do that, you attract low-performing people. You and your high-performing people, they're quitting. Yeah. Because they don't, they're not going to put up with that anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, I, I left corporate uh, five and a half years ago after 22 years. I just I said I was done with it. I I just it was it was soul-sucking is the best way to describe it. I mean, you know, I think they tried their best, but I just felt like too many rules, too much, you know, top down, you do it this way, you know, no freedom to to express yourself or to, to do you know implement your ideas it was all top down and people people don't want that they want to be able to be free and express themselves in ways that that we're humans right we're we're not robots you know and so i think we want to be free to express ourselves and to do what we were you know we were gifted to do in our lives so i think this is really some some really powerful stuff so um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you and I yeah. are, we're working together on a project. So we have a, we, yes. we are both contributing authors to a new book coming out. Um, I have no idea what you wrote and you probably don't know what I wrote, but, um, so tell, <laughs> a little, tell us a little bit about this book that's coming out in October. It's kind of neat to see. Yes. Um, it's called what is called the experience of leadership. Yes. And, um, basically, uh, yeah, Fred Stuvek. Yeah. Um, he got together a bunch of really successful leaders, I guess, and if you call me a successful leader or not, and uh, allowed each person to write their personal leadership story in this book. And so in this book, it just has a lot of people who have been through the industry and multiple different careers and their experience with what has worked with leadership and what you have to do to become a leader and your experience with it. And um, in basically my chapter, uh, I let people know when I was young, I was a, a short, less than five foot, um, you know, 99 pound Japanese kid who 
out of anybody, no one would have thought that I would become a leader of any sort. <laughs> and, and I explained my story as I got into the industry and as I looked around and I started to see what was going on and in what I did to, to become a leader in my own organizations, as well as then to be able to teach it um, in the college, as well as to high school kids now and, um, and, uh, and professionals. That's awesome. This, this is going to be a really good book. Like I think there's twelve. There's twelve uh, people that contributed to this book, and in and, and there's yes. going to be twelve distinct leadership stories contained in one book. It's called the Experience of Leadership. I, I'm really excited. I, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I contributed to it, but I don't know what what to expect. I don't know the other eleven stories, so I think it's going to be a really <laughs> fun book to to get and to read and to just see all these various. There's business leaders, military leaders, um, people like yourself uh, that have you know studied this in depth. People like myself who are practitioners. I think it's going to be really neat, uh, neat book when it's all together. So uh, that'll come out in October. So um, yeah, for those who are listening, we'll let you know more as that gets closer because that's going to be a fun book. Um, I think pre-sales are available now. On yes. So. But let's um. So so for going back to um the no influence leadership theory. How can people like if 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 we've if we've got people interested in this and kind of like whoa wait a second this is interesting how can they learn more about it how can they I know you've got a couple of books out there what you've got a website yes. where can people find out more about this and how they can apply it in their own leadership journey you know basically if you type in my name into Google YouTube Amazon anywhere that's the easiest way I can I can explain to find this. Just type in Jacob Kashiwagi and and you, everything will pop up. Um, but if you look up Leadership Society of Arizona, it, everything will pop up as well. If you look up um, PBSRG, that's our research group, academic research group where we publish papers and whatnot, um, you'll be able to link to all of our professional things as well as Kashiwagi Solution Model. Um, we have all the social medias for all the organizations, um, YouTube and and uh, uh, LinkedIn and, and Facebook and all, all that type of thing. Okay, excellent. We'll, we'll definitely put the links in the show notes for all these resources. But if, if there is one, I know you've got two books out. If, if there was one, if, if you wanted to get started, if you wanted to just understand the basics, if you yeah. listen to this podcast, and what, where, what would be the quickest place to go to try to just at least wrap your head around this concept because it is rather uh, yes. um, the, the best place to go would be um, to read my book, no, no influence mentorship. Okay. No influence mentorship. Yeah. So that's, yes. that's a good place to get started, right? That will go from the basics on it, the, the theory behind the idea, all the supporting information of it, and then actually applying it. Um, that's more applying it to students and, um, and children. Um, but that's the best place to go. And as you understand that, then if you want to find, you know, the professional uses of it and whatnot, you can go to more complex academic type writings. Excellent. That's great. That's, that's really good because I think it is, it is such a unique way to look at things that I think, I, I, I really think those people who are listening in, you really got to dig into this a little bit deeper. I mean, leaders have to be learners. We have to keep questioning, are we doing things the right way? This, hopefully we're exposing you to something that's kind of truly 
uh, different than than what you hear, but yet it makes sense. You know, I don't I don't pretend to understand everything behind all the research behind it and all the success that Jacobs had with it, but intuitively I've seen it in my own career where I have um, when I have done these kind of things, we've had much more success as an organization. So. This stuff makes a lot of sense to me. That's why I was excited to have you on and, and to talk more about it. So that's really good. So um, yeah, I really appreciate Jacob, you coming on the show and, and sharing this. And I really encourage leaders to, to look him up and, uh, and, and find out more about this because I think if you're trying to do everything command and control from the center office, uh, you're, you're only gonna lead to frustrated employees and people that are going to be um, not really motivated in their roles. If you can find their passions and you can let them, give them some freedoms to explore those passions and make that to where it's helpful for the company, I think you're going to be much better off. So, Well, thanks for having me, John. It's been great being on here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I look forward to this new book coming out and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more uh, going forward. That's great. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid.